Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 170. I'm Schmitty. And I'm Zook. And it's just a duo this week. No Zoner. No Zoner. No Dollface. Just the guys. He's, he's homeless right now. And homeless people don't do podcasts. I guess technically, even if Zoner was here, it'd still be just the guys, huh? We're not insinuating anything either, Zoner. <laughs> Had to think this about that the, one. <laughs> I know. This is the episode for the week of June 30th. Um, I would say go to famonefighters.com. However, the site is being taken down at the end of the month. So, it, for all those people who have donated to famonefighters.com on behalf of 180 Fusion and the Utah Food Bank and Stolen Droids, we appreciate it. We thank you. Uh, and uh, hopefully, one of you guys will actually put in your email to feedback at stolendroids.com so you can win an awesome Eagle Moss Limited. I'm, oh, ship. There we go. I was about to say shoe. <laughs> Eagle Moss Limited shoe. I will send you a shoe. It is the most highly film, highly decorated, detailed, film-accurate shoe you've ever seen. It's one of those weeks. It's a soul-searching ship. Oh, oh, ha, ha. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm saying all the wrong words, and Schmitty is so punny. This is going to be an interesting episode. Before we get too lost in our puns, uh, we want to give a shout-out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Also, uh, we are always brought to you by our wonderful friends at 4814, 48-14.com for the best hosting you can ever find. These guys, I mean, they, they go the lengths of the world for you. They're they make on sure the ball. Everything is, they are on the ball. Um, I screwed something up in the site this last week, and uh, they took care of it. It was pretty awesome. You may notice last week uh, last week's episode was up a little bit late. It's because I screwed it up. They fixed it for us. And then later on in the week, it turns out that uh, a new security vulnerability was discovered. And they let us know before anything. said, hey, by the way, new security vulnerability on your server. It's going to be down from this time to this time. We're going to take care of it for you. And they did. They're true to their words. They're the best hosts we've ever had. 48-14.com. Check them out. And as previously mentioned, you can get the best shoes ever from Eagle Moss Limited. No, not really. They're Star Trek ships. You can see them at the top of our site. Eagle Moss Limited is the uh, official um, Star Trek manufacturer for all the little tiny miniature ships. Uh, they're all film accurate. They're taken directly from the original plans. They are just so freaking cool. Go check them out. I think that's all. Everything. Did I get everything? I think so. Yeah. 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 Hey, we got some feedback. Feedback from our friend Ruff. We haven't gotten feedback from him for a while. Hey, Ruff. <laughs> hey. Um, and, and I think he's a few episodes behind uh, on right now because uh, he says, guys, I was thoroughly enjoying the episode until about the 56-minute mark. By the way, he's talking about the vocabulary episode, episode number 166. So three episodes ago, four episodes ago. Uh, I was thoroughly enjoying the episode until about the 56-minute mark and the good idea, bad idea segment. Then Zoner dropped the line about peanut butter and carpet. Thank you very much for that one, Zoner. Not something I ever needed to hear, ever. Cheers, <laughs> rough. Yeah, We've been doing this show now for over three years. And if there's one thing, I mean, we all kind of have a role. If, if you haven't noticed, if you've been listening to the show in that time and you haven't really noticed, we all kind of have our own individual roles. And Zoner's specific role is he goes there. You know, that's the best way I can describe it. He, <laughs> is he that guy? <laughs> he's that guy. He goes there. So, um... I'm not really sure what my role is. I think I just hit record and let the cards fall where they may. 
<laughs> Schmidt researches things and keeps us honest, but, but Zoner <laughs> goes there. Uh, he also asks, P.S., update on Comic-Con and Salt Lake. Yes, Salt Lake Comic-Con is coming up in September. We will be going. We will have a presence. I think we're actually going to have a booth again this time. Yeah. We may be doubling up with the guys from Dungeon Crawler Radio. And Squishy's flying in, too. So. Dr. Squishy's coming in. My brother Rio's coming in. We're going uh, to have a full all-hands-on-deck, basically. It's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, so you should definitely come and check us out. You should come in costume. Absolutely. Uh-huh. You know, every time I want to get into costume for one of those cons, I think, oh, I want to do this. Oh, and I want to do this. And I want to look like this. And then I realize I have no discernible talents whatsoever when it comes to putting a costume together. And I'd rather not look like just a flat-out idiot. (laughs) So I don't do it. I'm okay going as a podcaster. Yeah. I'm an exhausted father. What's your your (laughs) costume? Okay. So uh, last week, we talked about how I had completely screwed up all the stats from the previous episode. This week, we need to talk about how we completely screwed up not talking about the Amazon phone last week. Well, you did say there wasn't a lot of big news, and so you you weren't wrong. (laughs) Ooh, I think that was a burn. Amazon released their phone. I... I okay. This is not to decry the Amazon phone at all, but it's like, oh, Amazon's releasing something. What is it? The teaser image just has this girl looking down at her hand. What could it be? It's a phone. What, what do you think it is? It's not a hand. She's not releasing a hand. It's a phone. Well, what do you know? It's a phone. Rumors say it's going to be a three D phone with front facing cameras that can see where your eyes are. And it, 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 it's three D and it has parallax vision thanks to the cameras on the front. It's like everything that could have been cool about this phone was previously ruined from leaks from like a year ago. Well, not everything that was cool. They, uh, none of their uh, new software announcements had been leaked previously. Only the uh, the hard the cool things about the hardware was leaked before. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when I say cool software, um, that's limited too. <laughs> but um, I I, I kind of liked the uh, the Firefly technology. Um, where you can identify things with the camera. It's kind of like Google Goggles, but then you can buy things straight from it. That seemed kind of cool. But when if would Google you Goggles it? was still a thing. Yeah. Well, And you know what? It's funny because it, I never consciously think about using Google Goggles. It always pops up when you're least expecting it. Like you'll take a picture of your kids and all of a sudden Google Goggles will pop up. Hey, I recognize something in the background. Yay, Wanna thanks. buy it? <laughs> thanks, Google. <laughs> yeah, so... Now, the Amazon phone does run on a version of Android. Okay, it's kind of like their Kindles in that way. But it has a very specific difference from most Android phones. And it makes a lot of sense when you hear what that difference is. There's no Google services on it. It's all Amazon. Yeah. Want to listen to music? Do it through the Amazon store. Want to read a book? Amazon store. Want to get apps? Amazon app store. Yeah, we kind of saw that coming because the, uh, the Kindle Fire um, doesn't have any Google apps on it. Um, you can sideload them on, um, but they're not available through the Amazon App Store. Um, I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't do this. I think, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot because I don't think Amazon is as big an ecosystem as they believe they are. Yeah. And uh, I, I, think, well, I think this will hurt them in the long run. They're definitely the consumer marketplace. They're not yeah. really... You know, it's a fun place to shop, but I wouldn't want to live there kind of thing, you know? Good good way to put it. <laughs> but if all you do is read ebooks, um, listen to audio Then you have a Kindle. <laughs> uh, well, yes and no. 
hear me out. <laughs> if all you do is, is uh, read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, um, they've got Comixology on here too. It's built in. Um, if that's all you do, um, and you don't you don't care about having a good um, Maps app, or you don't care about having a good email app, or you know integration with any of your Google stuff, uh, then this is probably the phone for you. But that is a very small niche. It's market. really limited, isn't it? Yeah. I and here's the thing. I know that uh, in this way, Amazon is kind of following Nokia. Though I, I believe Amazon has been working on this longer, but Nokia came to market with it first with their Nokia X phones. Those are those Android phones that they released earlier this year that have no Google services. It's all Microsoft services. It's an Android phone, but it looks like Windows phone because of its interface, and it uses Microsoft services for everything in an attempt to pull people off the Android ecosystem. Okay? In that way, the Amazon phone is very similar. It's not using Google services to try and get you over onto theirs. But in both cases, and keep in mind, I'm a Nokia fan saying this. I think they're, I, I think what Schmitty said is absolutely right. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. Android by itself, and I know I'm going to catch flack for this, Android by itself is not that great an experience without the apps. It's not a bad experience. It just, a smartphone isn't smart without apps it's like it's like windows or mac os okay well not mac os it's like windows windows is not it, it's boring without any any applications on it um right. and, and i'll even go one further an android phone or a smartphone isn't any good without google apps the google ecosystem is one of the most robust ecosystems on the internet today um amazon doesn't have an email service um right right who knows how their maps service is i i think they're piggybacking off of someone else i don't think they have their own um and so i mean with without without google to to bolster them uh, what else do they have <laughs> yeah well and and and, he, and this is the thing too and i say this really affectionately i, I do mean that i'm not trying to hate on android here trust me we're going to get into the android love much later in the show we, we've got that coming but android is inherently broken without the google experience you know what I'm saying? It needs the Google experience. It's built around it. Android 1.0 may have been able to handle it just fine, but they have deliberately been building Android closer and closer and closer until it is sitting right there inside the Google ecosystem. You take Google away from it, Android is inherently broken. Yeah. That's and, by and design. We're, and we're going to start seeing, I mean, they, they, um, they forked uh, from Android 4.2, I want to say, or something like that for fire os um and google keeps building things into android we're going to see later on um what they've built into 4.5 um and this is the more people fork out of out of android the more they're going to lose because um android keeps building i don't know if i'm explaining myself as a developer and I know where Schmidt's going with this because he's talked. I've known you many years to catch on to what you're talking about with forking. But when a development cycle is going through, when software is being developed, at some point the development will fork, and one branch goes off one way, and the other branch goes off another way, which is just fine, except for the fact that sooner or later the main branch, 4.5, or the L release as it's being called, is going to have some new features that that other fork is going to want to have, which means at some point the the Amazon fork, the Amazon branch, is going to have to get back to the main one and pick up new code. And it's just going to get screwed up. Yeah. 
it, the, uh, the, uh, that's exactly what I was trying to say. The Kindle Fire OS was forked off of Android 4.2, um, and they're they're stuck at 4.2. <laughs> so yeah, they can't yeah. they can't get any of the cool new features. Yeah. Um, the 3D screen. I think is kind of gimmicky, but it's kind of cool gimmicky. What it does is it has a bunch of very small cameras on the front of your phone that whose whole job is to see your face and see the angle at which your face is looking at it. And then it will re-render what's on the screen based on that. It's not really 3D. It's kind of the same parallax display that uh, Apple brought out with the new iOS 7 and the new iPhones. Uh, and you know what? Most people I know disabled that feature. <laughs> yeah, It was kind of one of those, oh, that's cool i guess i don't care it's killing my phone and my battery life yeah they're they are implementing it in a few ways that i think could catch on if this technology um catches on itself but um there's one feature that i was really impressed about where they're looking at a map um and and all they have to do to see extra information about uh places they've searched for is just tilt the phone a little bit and they get little yelp overlays on the map uh tilt it back the other way and you get traffic information you know um and then they also implemented it into uh amazon item results if you're looking at an uh, uh a product on amazon um and it has one of those three 360 rotating views all you have to do is tilt your phone a little bit and you get that 360 view as if it's sitting there on your phone i, w- I thought that was really cool it is a little gimmicky but um there are ways to use it and I, those cameras are cheap enough that the that uh, any manufacturer could put it in their phone. So yeah, that's true. They're they are very very cheap cameras. They're not what you'd use for a selfie. Right. <laughs> Don't ever take a selfie. Just saying. <laughs> okay. And to I mean, it sounds like we're kind of glossing over the Amazon phone. We give a lot of other phones more uh, more more time. But hardware wise, there's not a whole lot that hasn't already been leaked for a year. Um, spec wise, it's kind of middle of the road. It's no Galaxy S5. You know. No. And whether or not it's for you, time will tell, because it really isn't that much cheaper than any of the other phones. If, if Grandma has a Kindle and a feature phone, and you want to upgrade her to a smartphone, get, get her, her a Windows phone. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. You can get a Windows phone for like 50 bucks off contract. There's a Kindle app for it. Right, but she's <laughs> already know? used to the, the Fire OS. I was going to say upgrade to an Amazon. You saw where I was going with that. <laughs> Well, that well, and I know we're we're taking a lot of time on this, but this is my point. Too much they're not time. Bringing, they're bringing, they're not bringing anything to the market you can't get for cheaper from someone else. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. It seems like a bit of a misfire. Speaking <laughs> of a misfire, Microsoft announced a new cool little feature that they're baking into uh, Internet Explorer 11. I know. A lot of people groan when we talk about Internet Explorer 11 news. And yes, I know, of everyone at Stolen Droids, I am the Microsoft fanboy. I get that. But the new little feature here is kind of one of those dumb little head-scratching things that we're expected to care about, but no one does. Because the new version is going to have the ability to sync passwords across Internet Explorer sessions. That's mind-blowing. <laughs> since this I've been able to do be... that since uh, five years ago, I've been able to do that. It's not entirely sure how they're going to do this because currently Chrome does this by having you sign into the browser, right? right? Uh, Opera does this by having you sign into the browser. Firefox does this with a third-party plugin that's baked right into the browser, which you can sign into. The point is, is that when you sign in, it syncs everything across. I honestly don't know if Safari does this. 
I, I truly don't. If we have any uh, Mac users out there who use Safari all the time, let us know because I, I truly am interested. I don't know if it does that or not. I would think that your iTunes or your Apple ID uh, would accommodate something like that, but last time I used Safari was so long ago mm. it wasn't in there. Most Mac users I know use Google Chrome. So <laughs> This is true. <laughs> now, the, thing, the reason I bring this up is because Internet Explorer you don't sign into. No, not you, not the browser itself, but aren't you already in the Microsoft ecosystem? Sometimes, if I'm in Windows 8, yeah. and if I'm in Windows Phone 8, then it will. Yeah. Now, in that way, I guess it could kind of work, but in that way also, Internet Explorer already does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the people I've talked to about this over the week... Um, I know some people who are ambivalent about Internet Explorer, and I have people who just have this irrational hate towards it because someone told them that Internet Explorer 6 sucked and they should never use Internet Explorer. Yes, Internet Explorer 6 sucked. Uh, that <laughs> was 7 six. and 8. And 7 and 8. 9 was okay. 10 was better. Uh, 9, you could tell they actually put effort into it. Yeah. You know, 10 was a bit better. 11 is a complete new animal. Uh, but get with the times, people. It's not 6 anymore. It's not Internet Exploder. That being said, this is a feature that many other browsers have left behind in the dust. When Chrome came out with it, it was revolutionary. You know, it was just unheard of. It was so nice. And then so Firefox what did the, followed soon after. Yeah. Well, Firefox couldn't. You know, that was during their dark era when they had so many plugins and everything was wrong. But th- what they did is they bought up another company with this technology and incorporated it into the browser. Yeah. And then Opera um, just created their sign-in system, which allowed that. I kind of wonder what took Internet Explorer or Microsoft so long to get with the times. Even if they didn't develop it themselves, they should have bought up some other company who had this technology and done it. Yeah, that's weird. That's, it, it just seems like such a ubiquitous feature that um, it's it's baffling. Yeah, I, I understand your, what you're saying because it's – I can't I – can't, uh, Imagine living without it. <laughs> Do you think, I, I just, I, we're, we're drawing a lot of time here on all these different things, but I kind of wonder, do you think Microsoft is gun-shy about acquiring other companies to use their technology? Because you hear about the big ones like Skype, right? But otherwise, I almost kind of wonder if they're still worried about being seen as a monopoly. So while Google's out there buying up every company under the sun, and Apple is chasing Google and buying up every other company under the sun... Microsoft just sits there and goes, we better figure out how to do this in-house. <laughs> It'll take ten times as long, and it won't work quite as well, but we will have figured it out by ourselves. Yeah, there might be some truth to that. Google, um, compared to Microsoft, is is fairly a new company. Uh, Microsoft has been around a lot longer, and I, I tend to think of them as um, you know, the older generation company. Uh, not as older generation as, say, you know... Comcast, or <laughs> but uh, they they still have they maybe they're adhering to older uh, generation values or something. They they want to make everything by themselves. Yeah, where Google is uh, so new that they're just they're just buy happy. <laughs> we got money. They make it rain up in there. Dollar biz, y'all. <laughs> hey, speaking of Google, let's jump ahead one. Uh, remember that Chromebook Pixel? Um, as a quick refresher, it was the chromebook laptop that i said was the stupidest purchase you could ever make uh schmitty vehemently disagreed with me uh, i thought it was an awesome piece of hardware mind you i just thought for a thousand dollars it was incredibly dumb <laughs> well 
if you bought one for a thousand dollars you have a refund coming to you because part of the chromebook's appeal was that it came with verizon lte so you could immediately open the thing up be immediately online and have lte speeds wherever you were well verizon went back on that you don't have lte speeds in fact you don't have service whatsoever which means that your $1,000 laptop that only works with an internet connection, because to my knowledge, the Pixel was never updated with the newest um, Chrome OS. It's always updated. I don't, I don't believe the Pixel was because of its incredible retina display. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, I may be wrong on that one. I'm willing to admit I may be wrong, but I remember that the Pixel was a one-off because it had a lot more intense hardware requirements than anything else. But that means that your online-only netbook can't ever get online unless you're in Wi-Fi. So they're refunding everyone 150 bucks. Only. Only. I will stick by my original assessment. It's still a gorgeous bit of hardware, but for 1000 bucks, I mean, that $1,000 is better spent on almost anything. Yeah. I'll still... Buy yourself a beautiful Android <laughs> tablet. Yeah, with a it, keyboard. <laughs> ver, the Verizon deal gone bad aside, um, I still disagree with you. But uh, and yet I notice you don't own one. That's Could it be because it's don't stupid thousand dollars. <laughs> because it's stupid expensive. Right. I stand well, by my statement. Now, during the time that the you know the whole thing about the Pixel and, and Chrome OS was out, and and even now, I'm I I've been trying to find out how I could get my entire development environment online because that's the idea of, of chrome os if you if everything you do is online chrome os is perfect for you um the one downside in development is that it's really hard to get a local development environment for testing on the internet because then that takes away of it being local mm-hmm. so well and in that way i believe that chrome uh chrome os is great for casual use right not to belittle it or anything i'm, I'm not trying to do that i'm just saying if everything you do is online, and frankly, most things are, it's a, fine. But if you can't do any real work on it, then what you've bought is a $1,000 toy. Yep. <laughs> Which is why if that thing had been 450 bucks, maybe maybe kissing the $500 mark, I would have said, okay, you know, I, yeah, for that kind of hardware, I can totally see that. But for 1000 I still stick by my original statement. Okay. Well... In in two or three more years, we'll we'll revisit the Pixel, and uh, all the original Pixels will still be running and pulling up websites just fine. When all the old um, computers that bought that were sold around the same time can't run the internet anymore. <laughs> well, and, and you will have been refunded another fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's something else. That's you're still working. stuck on Wi-Fi because the LTE chip hasn't. Yeah. That's that aside, <laughs> I, there's no real reason given by Verizon either as to why they went back on that deal. That's yeah. a real rotten thing there was to do. N- there was no notice just overnight. They just cut it. They're just like, okay. Boom. Done. The major selling point of your device is gone. <laughs> We're losing bandwidth like crazy. These six pixel owners <laughs> are torrenting something, except you can't torrent something to Chrome OS. Uh, they're torrenting to their, uh, to their Google storage. That's right. I, I don't know if that even kids. works that way. Um, hey, speaking of dumb things, Facebook designed something and released it to very little fanfare, and for the life of us, no one can figure out how to use it. It's called Slingshot. And if it sounds like I don't know how to describe this, it's because I don't know how to describe this. Say Schmitty and I are on Facebook, and he uses Slingshot to send me an interaction. 
I can't see the interaction he just sent me until I send him an interaction back. It's kind of like passing notes in class, but you don't get to see my note until you give, you've given me a note back. Which doesn't really lend itself well to linear conversation that humans have grown accustomed to. <laughs> yeah, Im imagine the frustration if someone comes up to ask you a question, and you can't hear the question until you give them an answer. Yeah. I, <laughs> it doesn't fly. <laughs> it doesn't fly. Um, so many people were confused by this, going, what on earth is this supposed to be? Are they... Is this like a Snapchat wannabe, or what are they trying to do? So Facebook came back and said, well, you're using it wrong. It's not actually meant to be used that way. It's meant to be a way to share experiences. Okay, one, that excuse didn't fly when Steve Jobs said it. And if Steve Jobs can't make an excuse fly, Facebook has no chance at it. Are they going to come out with an with a, a new case to put over your, your slingshot? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're holding Facebook wrong, dude. <laughs> Yeah, this two. Go ahead. <laughs> two. What do you mean share experiences? Like Schmitty just said, you can't share an experience with something that di you didn't get in the first place. Yeah, I thinking thinking on my toes here because I didn't think about this before while reading this. Um, it, when they say share experiences, maybe what they mean is you're at a party with someone, or you're at say Disneyland with someone, um, and you're. Sh Taking pictures of things together. Yes, you know that still doesn't work. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> How you like Schmitty? It's never going to work. I was trying it's to just give them the benefit of the doubt, but that's that's not going to work. Sorry. I Facebook rolls out a lot of weird things, okay? And you, they're always self-serving. You can always tell. I mean, there's no not even any pretense. You can see when Facebook rolls something out. Ah, they're getting this advertising information for me. Ah, they're using this to cross-reference things, so we can better index each other or ourselves. Ah, they're delivering targeted advertising directly onto my phone or my earbud or whatever. But even this one, I'm looking at going, what on earth were they thinking? How does this even serve them? <laughs> it sure doesn't do anything for us. I, I kind of want to get it now to, to try it out. I, I've only ever just read about it. I've never... I've never seen it. So. It'll be a new segment in Stolen Droids podcast. Adventures in non-linear conversation. <laughs> We'll do an entire podcast that way. You can't hear the podcast until you send us feedback. <laughs> About the podcast you can't hear. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought of a great thing. We need to use that kind of system to do a Dungeons & Dragons session. Oh, gee. <laughs> like, we don't know what we're reacting to. The DM hasn't actually given us what's happening until we've just randomly done something. That and then the consequences befall us. <laughs> That could be really, really funny or really, really bad. <laughs> it's the most short-lived one ever as everyone goes flying off a cliff. Okay, we've spent some time on that. We're investing a lot of time in these headlines. Uh, Nest has announced their new developer program. This is all at once totally scary and totally awesome. It's scary because the new development center will allow your Nest, if so programmed, uh, to track you and everything you're doing whenever you're near the house. That sounds kind of Orwellian. I get that. But it's really awesome because some of the things that they were talking about are just mind-boggling, okay? If you have the right kind of car or a car that has the right kind of system and they've engaged in the developer program, your Nest knows when you're almost home. And so it knows to start getting the temperature of the house just right for you. Or, because the Nest will eventually be tied into home automation, it knows to turn the lights on, or it knows to open the front gate, or it, 
the garage the door. Nest, yeah, the, the Nest has essentially become the brain of home automation. This is not unique. There are other you know, systems out there, but never before have any of them been so unified, you know, been so centralized so well. Typically, if you wanted to get home automation, I think Vivint has one. I think uh, Honeywell has one. Uh, but they've all been kind of, I don't know, disjointed. They work, they work well within their own systems. And um, their system wasn't ever meant to do half of the stuff you want done. Yeah, it, they're not They're not using standardized, standardized protocols. They're not, they're not connecting to a device that uh, can talk to other devices. And so if you do want to link it in with your home automation, you have to know what you're doing and, and know, know something about electronics and programming and... Oh yeah, electronics soldering. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about when I say electronics. So, with Nest and Google, on, only Google has been able to pull this off, and because of their huge ecosystem. Here's a perfect example. Okay, um, a home automation system from any other s- system right now on the market would be able to know what day of the week it is and what time of day it is, and therefore know what to set your thermostat at, depending upon preset notions. Right. Everyone's off at work, so I will turn off the AC. I'll, I'll raise it up a little bit so you're not wasting that power. Nest, with this system, will be able to say, ah, it's Thursday at 2 p.m. Everyone's at work, except I know, I can tell that there's still three people in the house, so I need to override that command and keep it at a habitable level. Don't raise the thermostat to 85 because there's still people in the house, and they'd hate that. Right. It's that kind of smart intelligence That'll give us the smart house of the future that'll kill us. No, <laughs> or or uh, Schmini is out jogging right now. I know he likes to come home to a really cold house after jogging. I'm going to put it down to 65. So I'm going to piss off his wife. That should be cold. <laughs> n- It'll be nice and cold when he gets home. <laughs> yeah. Only only Google. I don't think any other company could have pulled it off this quickly and, and this cheap. Uh, all the other home automation systems, are, including Vivint, are really expensive. Super expensive. And uh, Nest, I think, is what two ninety nine, um, and they update about as fast as you can pay off your mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> and so I mean, and with, with all the other elements that you already own, your phone, um, your car, if it's if it's compatible, um, your Fitbit, uh, those are all part of the ecosystem. Whereas other home automation systems, you have to buy their proprietary hardware. So this is a win for for Nest. It really is. It's quite cool. Um, okay, into um, scary, scary, scary news. Oh, I forgot no. I can't open that tab. <laughs> Dude, it crashes okay, my so browser. <laughs> in case anyone is wondering, the tab he's talking about, uh, there's a headline for this week's show where I'm screaming because this is terrifying. Do not open this tab unless your computer has a good amount of memory. What this tab is, is it, it is a, it's a live watchdog program that is witnessing every hack happening across the world in real time. It's not just any hacks. What this company did is a security company that set up what's called a honeypot. A honeypot, taken from spy lingo, uh, is the idea of a very tempting... It's a trap. It's bait. Okay, They're going to put bait out there and they're going to trap things. In this case, it's a vulnerable network that meets certain criteria that hackers worldwide and their bots have gone after. Now, it will say where the hack is coming from, where the hack is going to, and how big it is. 
and things are going well. Things are going well. Things are going well. And then every once in a while, things go cray-cray. I was watching it one time, and suddenly it looked like Tron had broken loose and was just destroying my computer screen, and then my browser crashed because we went from 66 attacks up to 60,000 attacks in under two seconds. <laughs> Subsequently crashing your browser. <laughs> yeah. Now, more often than not, the U.S. is the subject of a lot of these attacks, but it's also usually the perpetrator. So, yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool and frightening to see. Uh, and I had a good long talk with my firewall after. <laughs> What's uh, even funner is when you when you uh, do your own hack and you actually can watch your hack go and. Yeah, no, did you just say I, funner? It's funner. Yes. For shame. <laughs> uh, in rage news, and this is just from yesterday or today. I'm going to mute my mic for a minute. <laughs> okay, so Ario. If you've listened to this show at all, you know what Aereo is. If you haven't, Aereo is a company that will, you can buy a monthly subscription service and they will give you an antenna chip in their data centers. This antenna will pick up terrestrial over the air television signals and pipe it to you over the internet. This is very, very, very handy for people who don't live in areas where they can get over the air signal. Like me. And like Schmitty, like Schmitty, like many people I know, actually. And the service fees aren't that much and really simply cover the cost of hardware, the cost of maintaining the hardware, and streaming it to you. Well, they got shut down in Utah and what other? There was one other state. Uh, Colorado. Colorado, yeah. And it went before the Supreme Court. And just yesterday it lost, six to three. Yeah, they finally came out with their ruling uh, saying that, yes, Eric, well, let me get the uh, exact statement. Um, the court rule, ruled that it is unlawful for the, inter- for the Internet startup to capture and stream broadcast television signals to subscribers. So, so Schmitty's been in a happy place for the last couple days. <laughs> this is, uh, I understand why they came to this decision. One, because cable companies have a huge amount of money in everyone's pockets, and because they whined and kicked and screamed and said, and I'm not making this up, that if the Supreme Court didn't agree with them, they threatened to take their service from the airwaves. Which I doubt they would have done, but I don't know. Them likes them their TV, so... (laughs) Yeah. And on the other hand... Yes, in a very large way, Aereo did specifically invent a technology that bypassed, in a, in a way, copyright. They did it because the copyright system is broken. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and it, the law, the way that it was written, is still open to uh, interpretation. Uh, the big uh, words, uh, not the big words, but the words that, they, that were in question um, in the law was... Uh, uh, public and um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, a performance. Um, so, wh- what you can't do with a broadcast, uh, a free over the air broadcast, is rebroadcast it as a performance to the public. Um, and they never d- defined exactly what public meant, uh, they never defined exactly what a performance was. Um, and Aereo uh, took took the the high ground, I want to say, and um, assumed that that meant that if they if they built if they built an antenna system where each user had an antenna and each stream was siloed in 
in separate sections of the hard drive and only one user had access to that one silo of information then it shouldn't be public it shouldn't be public right and and sending that uh, sending that recording to that one user wouldn't count as a performance because uh, or wouldn't count as a rebroadcast because it's acting as a DVR well these six judges that uh, voted against Aereo um, in in their dissertations or whatever they call it, I don't know exactly what they call it. I, I read through it, really boring, but um, really boring, <laughs> really boring. I actually skipped some paragraphs, but <laughs> a lot of paragraphs. But they're re, re uh, they're equating this to the old cable companies. Well, not old; they're still around, but they're equating it to cable companies and the way that cable companies broadcast their signals, and they're completely. Ignoring the fact that this is all over the internet and all uh, behind user profiles with pass- password-protected profiles, so it was really confusing to me why they could just simply, you know, relate it to a cable company and say that because it's going out to hundred uh, tens of thousands of customers that it's a public broadcast. So, kind of shifty. <laughs> it's very shifty. I part of the problem is too. And before we spend too much time on this, um. There is still a great dispute in the world about what broadcast is on the internet. For instance, what we do right here is called a podcast. It's a uh, it's a combination of iPods because back in the day that's all that could do it and broadcast. So you have the podcast. Here's the thing: no one who's listening to this is doing so on an iPod. Well, if they are, very few, uh, because most everyone has iPhones now or Androids or Windows Phone or Windows or Mac. You know, very few people listen to these on iPods. And two, technically, we're not broadcasting. True. In no way are we broadcasting. Even if you could see us right now, even if this was live, we're still not broadcasting. We are streaming. Yes, I know that it seems like just a very fine difference, but it is a difference. You technically can't broadcast on the internet. You can't. The idea of a broadcast is a broad wave blast. Yeah, it can only be done over a radio wave. (laughs) <laughs> once you put that once you make that signal digital and on the internet um that digital signal can only be available to one person now whether or not like like Zook said if you're watching us live right now it's still not a broad pe- broadcast because you're receiving that stream individually to your um through your ISP to your computer everyone else that is receiving it is also receiving an individual stream it's not the same stream that that you're getting so it can't be called a broadcast, and that's, I think that's where they're they're mixing terminology. And and they're not the only one because even every year when we get nominated for the podcast awards, by the way, thank you for that, every everyone. Even then, people who are podcasters say technically we're not podcasters because that's the wrong word, but we stick with it anyway because no one knows what else to call it. Right. And I think that's the real problem Ariel is facing right now is they're not broadcasting, but no one can really say exactly what it is they are doing. Well, we we know, we know kind of what it is, but there's just not a catchier term for it. We, there's we are, no category for it, right? We're, the we're rules recording, that currently exist don't cover it. We're recording audio and distributing those audio files through a download system, not unlike, I don't know, the internet, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and and so that's that's what it is. But there's no catchy term for it, um, and uh, the internet isn't new. It's been around for over forty years now. Um, but the internet as we know it is the new. World Wide Web, yeah. 
it's it's under a decade old. The, the, the internet that we know right now is under a decade old, and unfortunately, that that tends to uh, hurt us in in the short run and and probably in the long run in this case um, because laws just can't keep up with it. So. Well, and in truth, what's happening here is this is a type of service that does not fall into any other category that they are shoehorning into an older category that basically, yeah, makes it illegal. Yeah. So um, another decision that was made by the Supreme Court that same day that uh, wanted back a couple brownie points. Uh, we'll give it a couple kudos for this. They have voted unanimously that cops cannot search your phone without a warrant. This is very important because there was a time, I want to say just a year and a half ago, when cops would have on their persons in certain jurisdictions in certain states a phone scanner that they could plug your phone into and immediately pull everything off of. They didn't need a warrant. They didn't need probable cause. They could have pulled you over for a broken tail light, And if your phone was there, they could immediately search it. They could, they could tell if you were texting or talking while driving. They could... They could uh find um, illicit um, data on there that would implicate you for other um, other crimes. So it, it was pretty scary what they could do with it. Yeah. Now, uh, the Supreme Court has ruled that, no, you can't do that without a warrant now, which is, which is good. That's important. Uh, most people don't know. They can't even search your car if you say no. You know? You, be, you shouldn't say no, because then they'll get a warrant. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> Probable cause, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so there's that. At least that's kind of good. Uh, our final little headline here before we get into Google I.O. is a bit of um, contradicting information here. Uh, according to Ann Coulter, no one watches soccer because soccer is unmanly and it's un-American and only European wussies watch soccer. Well, except for evidently everyone who watches soccer because the ESPN Go and the ESPN Web app combined clocked 1.7 million viewers for the u.s portugal game that happened on tuesday for reference the amount of people who watched the super bowl on espn go or the espn web app was 1.1 million now and the article is quick to point this out to be fair super bowl happens on sunday night when more people are home in front of the tv and the u.s portugal game happened no wait no this is the u.s germany game yeah because u.s today u.s portugal happened sunday night as well u.s germany happened you know, Thursday, while everyone is at work, with yeah. ESPN Go open on their on their phones. I couldn't get any work done because everyone was clogging up our tubes with USA yeah. and Germany. <laughs> I I don't know if this says. And to be fair, the tech angle from this is that ESPN was able to handle that many simultaneous streams without crashing the system and with no lag. It's actually quite impressive how they've been able to handle this. And I, I think they've been ready for something like this because of events like Super Bowl. And um, so, yeah, good on them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's that. People should start supporting their local soccer teams more. It's not as un-American as people think. Okay, into the Google I.O. conference. We have not left ourselves a lot of time with this. We may not have time for our favorites, but we need to get to it. First off, uh, Google did show off their new L release. What is it called? We don't know. We don't know. It, it's just known as the L release. People are Some still people speculating are... Lollipop or... Lychee, maybe, you know. I'm hoping Lidocaine. Lemon Meringue, because I like Lemon Meringue. I think Lidocaine. I think Android Lidocaine would be... Lidocaine. <laughs> I'd take Licorice over Lidocaine. Uh, the name, not... not. Okay, never mind. 
interesting. <laughs> um, what does it bring? Well, it brings a whole new aesthetic. Uh, Google announced what they call material design. Uh, Schmidt and I kind of had it out earlier this week over material design because I believe it looks like a complete ripoff of modern design that Microsoft brought out. Now, complete would be unfair because it is not a complete one, but it is a definite flattening of the interface. Uh, it's Everything's a lot more flat. Everything has a lot. The shadows are just different. If you've seen Metro UI or modern UI, you know what I'm talking about. iOS 7 did the same thing, a lot more bright primary colors, a lot fewer details. Um, I like it personally. I'm all for it. And the reason I say that is not just because I'm a Windows fan, but because I personally believe you can get more information when you're, there's less detail graphically. Yeah. Uh, I, and I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to people until go back and look at like a Windows 95 program, if you can find one. And the icon is trying to look as photorealistic as possible, but it's doing so in such a horrible little interface that it looks like crap by today's standards. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you had just had a very, very simple, flat, three-color icon, it lasts longer. You know what I'm saying? Well, and not to mention that uh, the Chrome around the apps, and by, and by Chrome I mean you know the, the, uh, the scroll bars and the sidebars around an app, um, in a Windows 95 device, they're all bezeled to look three-dimensional. Um, there, there's, there's spacing between all the windows uh, to show you where you can grab them and things, which, which was good and at the time was aesthetically pleasing. But Zook's right. It didn't leave a lot of space for, for information. And by getting rid of all that extra, uh, extra graphic hoo-ha or whatever, it leaves a lot more room for, for mm -hmm. not only cleanliness but more information and you can fit a lot more on there. I remember that especially got bad uh, when OS X first launched and they had their Aqua interface. You remember that? Mm, yeah. And everything's shiny and everything has drop shadows and everything has luminescence and nobody cared, but everyone thought it looked really awesome, but it was actually a pain to use. Yeah. Um, so I think the flat interface, the reason why a lot of people are going to do it is because it is a lot easier to use, a lot easier to get information. Now, currently, um, the material design is not everywhere, but Google will be launching it. Uh, and in this way, actually, I was actually correct on Schmidt because they did announce they will be moving it to their web interface, all applications, and all levels of Android. So if you head on over to google.com slash, I think, design, uh, there's a really, really over-the-top experience for material design. Uh, personally, I think it's a little too much. And even though I'm a fan <laughs> of it, I think it's a little too much. But according to them, they want the entire web to look like that. I find it personally a little bit funny because the head of their design team only a year ago said that that's a stupid type of design and no one would ever want it. <laughs> I just find that funny. Well, I do have to correct you. They, they were talking specifically about Windows Metro, right? Or Windows Modern. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's stupid when someone else does it. <laughs> I, I, the reason I find that funny is, um, remember when we talked about Nokia's old CEO before Stephen Elop took over? And he said, using Android is like peeing your pants to stay warm. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, I just, I find it humorous, not in a kind of, haha, I was right, but more in a kind of, well, that's an awfully short-sighted thing to say. <laughs> so I guess the moral is don't, uh, don't diss other companies' technologies because you'll never know when you're going to have to just buckle down and adopt it, or... Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Uh, now, how far Google goes on this, I don't know. Because uh, if you go to that website, and you really should because it's really a trip to see, there's some things in there that look really, really awesome. And then there's things that I truly did believe I was looking at a Windows Live tile. They have one, I think it shows a, 
a flight information as like JFK to Denver and it gives like if it's on time or not. And I swear that for a second that was a live tile. <laughs> so it's really interesting how they're doing that. But that aside, um, there is one interesting gripe I have about it. And I will say this is a gripe. Supposedly, they're going to be changing your back, home, and Windows buttons. Not Windows. Screens. What do you, the, the, yeah, the screen button. Yeah, the screen button. Uh, currently, you have a back button, a button that looks like a home, and two boxes, one on top of the other, to make it look like screens. Uh, they're going to be changing this into a rewind button, a record button, and a stop. It's a triangle, a circle, and a square. That seems very unintuitive. It sounds like a Sony product. It does, doesn't it? Like a my first Sony. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're going to keep that. I don't think they will. I hope, I they, hope don't. they don't. Because it's it's really bad, actually. Yeah. But in every other way, it actually looks quite impressive. And it will be unified across uh, the Google interface on the web, Android, Android TV, which we haven't even gotten into, Android Wear, which we haven't gotten into, Android Auto, which we haven't gotten into. One interface to rule them all. Kind of cool. Uh, another thing they announced was Google Fit. It is exactly what it sounds like. Yep, a platform of tools to help you get fit. Now, I, I was kind of disappointed not to see any hardware, and uh, I, I kind of wonder if it makes me wonder if there will be any hardware or if this is all just going to be built into Android Wear. Uh, they they didn't even say they just they just gave us the information on the platform and that was it. <laughs> I kind of get the feeling here between this and uh, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference with their new Fit Passbook and whatnot, uh, I get the feeling that they don't so much think this is something people want. They're just more interested in screwing with Samsung. Good point. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. I'm I'm not saying that people who use smartphones are lazy or don't work out or don't care about their fitness. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying I don't see people at the gym on their treadmill gripping their Samsung S5 to check their heart rate. Right. Well, no, because the Galaxy Gear does that for them. You know what? You know what else does the treadmill? That's you know true. what else does two fingers? Every time I grip the treadmill to get my heart rate, it says "Do not hold the treadmill while you're running." I'm like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? That's the wrong section of treadmill. You're holding it wrong. <laughs> yeah, Curse yeah. You, Facebook. It it kind of makes sense that they're doing this because um, because Samsung does it and and Fitbit uh, and what what's the other one? Something bug. Fit bug, yeah, I, yeah, body bug, body bug. Uh, they, people go crazy over over fit applications and and hardware now. And so for six weeks until they forget <laughs> to go back to the gym and they don't do it anymore. Yeah, but but it makes sense they're getting into this section. I I was just a uh, little. Uh, I was upset that I didn't see any anything else, so that's all. I, I want to see the analytics for that. I want to see all Google Fit stuff, like, spike in January and then taper off mid-February. <laughs> like, no one uses the app again. And then again, like, in April when they're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to it and then taper back off before yeah. May hits. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also announced Google for Work. Remember how we were just talking about how Internet Explorer seemed to really fall behind the times? Well, guess what? Um, Believe it or not, Android has been behind the times in this area. They announced this exciting new way that they're partnering with Samsung and Samsung's Knox security system that you can now just have one inbox for all your work emails and your personal emails. They're just all sandboxed together. Oh, and your documents and Wi-Fi settings and all your different security settings. And isn't this awesome? And I'm thinking, 
<laughs> yeah, and my Windows phone has had that since version 7. And yeah. iOS has had it since version 3? When, when, uh, when I was watching this, it was, I was thinking back to when we were talking about Samsung Knox. Uh, and, and we talked about how Samsung built that in to their Galaxy and Note phones because Android didn't have it yet. Um, and uh, we were speculating, okay, you know, Google's going to build it in eventually. But we never thought that they would go to Samsung for it. I, I think this well, is kind of funny that... We also didn't think it was going to take them so freaking long. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not exaggerating here, people. My phone has been capable of these things that Google was announcing, like their big stuff, since version 7. Yeah. And before that, Windows Mobile could do it since version 4. The iPhone could do it almost out of the gate since iOS 2. Mm-hmm. BlackBerry's been doing it for almost a decade. Oh, yeah, I, so <laughs> go Android, I guess. <laughs> It's not often we decry something at Google I.O., but seriously, why even announce that? You should have pretended like it was always the case. <laughs> oh, that that was always there. You just didn't notice it. <laughs> um, but something that is quite cool is Android Wear. I will admit, I think, and I don't think I was alone in this, it looked like a cool idea, but we were all kind of waiting to be underwhelmed by it for the for the screenshots and the demonstrations to not quite live up to the hype. And holy crap, are we blown away, especially by LG's G-Watch or G-Wear, whatever it's called. Because the, the, yeah, the thing has a Snapdragon 400 inside of it. It is a smartphone on your wrist linked to your other smartphone in your pocket. Pretty much. <laughs> it's one step away from becoming a standalone, standalone product. It is very cool. Now, how much it can be used will remain up to developers. I'm still hesitant about wearing a smartwatch, not for the reasons people think, but because I tend to abuse my watches, strangely. <laughs> um, I had the opportunity to test out uh, the, the Pebble, a smartwatch, and uh, really great. I'm, I'm hooked on smartwatches now. The only downside to it was it was limited in um, the number of apps it could have. Um, granted, it wasn't an Android Wear watch, um, but it, it, brought, it brought all the notifications from my phone to my watch. Um, and that that's the revolutionary part of, of of smart tech on your wrist that that brings us to life. But what's even more is that Android Wear, um, and we'll see this with Android TV and Android Auto, syncs your entire Google experience with with this device. It's not so much another screen; it's an interface. Right. It's a centralized interface. If it was just another screen, that's boring. Anything can do that. Yeah. You get yeah. your Google Now notifications on here. When you when you dismiss a notification on your watch, it dismisses it on your phone as well, which hasn't been done before. Um, I, I think the Galaxy Gear and the Gear 2, you can get notifications, but you dismiss them on your watch, and then you have to dismiss them on your phone too. So Android we, Wear brought that. You and I played with Squishy at CES. We played with the Galaxy Gear before CES kicked off. We were at a Best Buy because we forgot our headphones. And we were all just kind of... Well, yeah, yeah, it was just so... <laughs> boring yeah it didn't do anything why would you spend that kind of money on an accessory that didn't do anything so honestly i was kind of worried that i was going to get the same thing out of android wear but oh my gosh that's exciting yeah and also uh, on the front of apps uh when you get a galaxy gear or or say the pebble that i that i tested out for a couple weeks to get an app on your phone you have to sync that app to your phone you you have to decide okay i want to upload this to my or, or to my watch sorry i have to upload it explicitly to my watch with android wear all the developer has to do is write in that the android wear functionality into their app on the phone on the phone yeah and you when you install that app on your phone 
if it detects that the developer has that Android Wear part in it, it's automatically uploaded to your watch. And that leads us right into Android Auto. This I'm excited for, truly excited. Um, what we just talked about with Android Wear, but imagine it on a 6-inch touchscreen in your car, or 7-inch touchscreen. Uh, it's an entirely different interface. It allows mostly voice-only navigation, on-screen keyboard when parked, but it accesses your music, your videos, your GPS, everything. It uses your phone for data, but the same thing. You don't have to install the apps on your on your car or in your car's auto screen. You only have to do the apps on your phone, and the apps themselves determine, oh, he has the auto. Okay, try, time to use that. <laughs> now, one thing that the... I understand why, but they just kind of glossed right over. But they did kind of mention that this feature, this functionality, would be available for other platforms as well. Now, of course, I'm not going to go into detail about that because this is a Google I.O. and they want you to get the Google products. But I'm hearing a hint there or an unspoken promise that if you have a Windows phone or an iPhone, that they can connect through Bluetooth to this as well. And Google Auto or Android Auto or Android Wear could also interface with your phones that way. Probably won't have the same functionality because, of course, the Google apps are missing. But you can still get your notifications. You can still interact with them. And probably interact with your music music streaming as well. I think I mentioned that uh, for for Pandora. Um, Another thing that that you missed was that they also utilize, um, if you have uh, controls on your steering wheel, this will also make use of those. So you can control your Android with your steering wheel, which I think is really awesome. (laughs) Uh, The final little bit here before uh, we sign off uh, for this episode, but the final little thing we're going to gloss right over, because it's Android TV. And this is like the umpteenth billionth time Google has tried to take over your living room, and I don't foresee it going any better. (laughs) Well, okay, I have to disagree with you because, um, well, I have a Google TV, right? And it's going nowhere. They're not Uh, updating it. Clarification Um, there. Uh, when when he says that, Schmitty has a Google TV. Right. That's that is mean. not the same as Android TV that, that was just announced, which right. is confusing, but just remember that. Right. So so I have a Google TV, and I've been waiting for updates. They haven't I haven't received an update for almost a year now. It's almost like they've dropped it. Um, so I personally was excited about Android TV when they announced it, um, but they didn't really give that much information on it. It looks like it's driven from your phone. Um we don't know if it's a full OS or not, um, but but there's hope for at least people that have already lived in the Google TV universe because we know that they're working on it, or at least some iteration of it. So I personally am excited for it. We still don't have a lot of details on it, but See, there's something to go on. We, I wish we had more time for this. We spent way too much time talking about you know Supreme Court justices and whatnot, but sure. I foresee this not going as well because, once again... In my opinion, and I have to stress that this is my my assessment of it, my analysis of it, Google engineers don't quite understand how people use TVs. Like like we saw with the Nexus Q, like we see to a small degree with the Chromecast. It's great for presenting one person's content to many people. It is not great for sharing common content to everyone. Well, that's not what they're they're not trying to do that here. Right, but they should. Because they'd, they'd kill it if they could just do that. The Fire TV, the Apple TV, the Roku, they've all figured out a formula that Google would slaughter them at if only Google could figure it out. Right. Instead, 
If you have content on your phone or tablet, you can stream it to the TV and everyone can see. So, that's my takeaway from it. We want everyone else's. Let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call at 801-917-GEEK. We have gone long this episode. We're going to have to trim it down. So we will get you favorites next week. Uh, Poor Schmitty has had his favorite in the wings waiting for its time. Uh, We will give it to you next week. But until next time, cheers. End of line. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.